Hello and welcome to the Real Sports CSGO podcast. This is your host, Ezek Carcello. And before we start the podcast today, I just want to mention one of our great uh, partners uh, in Podcast Republic. You might uh, have an app already for podcasts, listening to podcasts, might use your website, Reddit, whatever. But we think a great experience for you, along with too many people who already agree, is Podcast Republic. You can find their app on the Play Store or the Google Play Store or iOS App Store. It's a great app, a lot of cool features for downloading apps, I mean, podcasts, including ours. The best one, of course, on the store. Now, and today we have a great treat for everyone here. We are being uh, featuring, of course, our two usuals, My Gind and Mist, but we also have the Danish wonder boy of casting himself, On Fire Anders. I want to thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. So today we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, unfortunately. And the first one up, of course, is SK Gaming winning Adrenaline Cyber League, the most tier one of tier one tournaments, of course, beating Avangar 3-1 in the Grand Finals. Now, Mist, how do we feel about SK Gaming winning their first tournament of the year? It was a, it, to me, it was kind of a lackluster land, but like, you saw like Virtus Pro get knocked off by Vanguard, which I thought they played great. But SK winning, was kind of expected when they played the Vanguard in the final. Even I thought the Vanguard showed some promise in that event. But I guess you can build off this for SK. They're doing pretty good in Starlight right now, so we'll see. For sure, for sure. So, Andrew, so when you, uh, I don't know if you watched the finals or not, but SK had a bad first map, and they pretty much cleaned it up on the other maps. How do you feel about their performance at uh, Adrenaline Cyber League versus some of the other performances like EPL in Dallas? I mean, I think it's it's good news for the SK lineup that they're able to to pick up that win. But unfortunately, it also becomes a bit of a like it sort of says something about what we're measuring the SK lineup with right now that they're able to beat Avangard. Not to take anything away from those guys, but you know, you kind of want SK, especially with Stewie as the pickup, to be able to smash uh, you know a tournament like that. Um, so I I don't know. I guess it's all right. It, I hope they can build use the momentum to build something forward. But I'm not I'm not 100 sure it's like you know worth celebrating for very long. For sure, yeah. Mike, how do you feel about that? Because, I mean, I think SK looked pretty good, but, like, it's a smaller tournament only. Like, they only played two matches, best of three and a best of five. So how do you feel about the relevancy of the event? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I've noticed about SK. So the first thing is that ever since Coursera started calling, I think he has improved individually, which is a good sign. But then the other thing is, like, the map pool is super weird. So... There was these news, I think it was during EPL, that Fallen is still calling on, I think it was Cash and Inferno. And those have been their strongest maps. Like, they're up and down on Cash, but Inferno is definitely up there. And then today, Stewie tweeted that he's now calling on Mirage. So, like, this whole Cold Zero calling experiment, I don't know if that's, like, been dropped already, or if, I don't know, if they, like, if they only have him calling on some maps, or if they're just gonna end up dropping it all together, if it's just to give Fallen a break, but like so far, it's uh, there's some positive signs out of it, but it's not. I don't think it's gonna be good in the long run. A lot of them have like in-game lead. I think four of them have sort of teams like Bolt's Dead and Immortal. So like 
I don't know if they're going to do like max map specific IGLs, but I can't see that working. That would be a crazy experiment, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> God help Virtus Pro if they would figure out the idea of changing in-game leaders per map. That would <laughs> oh, be awful. I feel like you should have to have consistency. Like Fallen was the IGL for so long. I feel like having like, someone like Stu even, if he IGL, it'd be odd because he speaks English. I guess they kind of think in Brazilian, so that'd be kind of weird. And then you have like Fallen, he kind of he kind of uh, IGLs kind of doesn't. When like SK loses sixteen one recently in uh, Star Series to I believe it was VG uh, Flash, yeah, that's just ugly. You just can't do something like that. It's just bad. So I think they definitely need to work on a lot of things in terms of you know consistency that's what it's all about in terms of maintaining you know greatness something that they used to do i mean don't know about the rest of you guys but i've i feel like for fallen has sort of accumulated so much credit over the years that i feel like like it's going to take a lot of losses in a row before i start to feel like this project is out of control like maybe that's just me being very faithful but i just have this feeling that like he's always somehow seems to know what he's doing so i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for a while to come still yeah, I think one thing that is noticeable about that is that Fallen individually is terrible right now compared to what he's been in the past. I mean, last year he was a top 10 player, and the year before he was a top 10 player too. And now he's just like nowhere near that level. So I don't know, like you're saying, that he's built up so much credit that it's not going to really matter how bad he's playing individually if like they're never going to kick him probably. Yeah. I mean, how would yeah? I thought it would be a crazy idea, wouldn't it? Like, I there's obviously a point where you where I think they would have to come out themselves eventually and say this for whatever reason is not working. You know, it's an experiment and it and it didn't really pan out. But you know, I just I I feel like he's he's made these calls before where they've made changes, even when it seemed like they were in good form and things were all right. They you know they made changes and then it turned out they somehow got better and. I don't know. I want to give it a little while before I start getting too panicked over the, the whole situation. But I mean, yeah, I guess we'll see for, for SLTV how well they do here. I agree with that. Issue is like when you're at such a high level, like you expect a lot of a person, a player, like at this individual, like he's had a lot of red on HLTV in terms of like individual performances against like even teams like Renegades or of course teams against Astralis and phases he has really struggled. But if you guys teams like a Vanguard, or Flash, or teams that you, or Greyhound, you expect him to do really well as an opper. He hasn't been like a device or anything where he's like really good, really consistent. He just feels like something's off. I don't know what it is. So it's just like one of those things where like the answer is so close, but it's just so far. Like you want him to be good again, and he should be able to be good again. There's there's nothing should be wrong, but right now he's having some troubles. But we'll see. Like you said, with uh, Star Ladder two and zero so far. So I think that's a really positive sign for SK Gaming. That's true. Another positive sign for another team might be, well, actually, not a positive sign, but Virtus Pro losing at a Vanguard to the Vanguard ACL, <laughs> and now they're currently one and one in Star Ladder. So, how do we feel about Virtus Pro considering they're once at the top of the uh, ladder in terms of Counter Strike? I remember watching E League, and then they lost to Astralis, and they had, oh, it's the VP slash Astralis era. And then now it's been a long time since then, and you have Posh. No one's consistent. I think that's the biggest argument. No one's been consistent in the team. How do you feel about Virtus Pro being like? Should they be a team still, or should they just disband and like? Should Ego be the new like top tier of a uh, published Counter Strike? Uh, so for me, the question I would ask everyone here right now is, uh, who's the best player on Virtus Pro? I don't have one. It's inconsistent. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the problem because like one game you have Pasha playing like like he gets ten kills and then the next game he gets thirty kills and it's the same for like everyone. So mm-hmm. everyone thought that Mishu was gonna come in and be the savior and he had that one really good tournament when he first came in and then since then he has cooled off as well. So like there's just no one they can go to. They don't have like a like back in the day you could always rely on snacks to get to be the star of the team and really play well in most of the games and now it's just there's just no one. So I don't know if we're looking at a second change because we see AGO here at Star Series playing super well. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Uh, I think like for AGO or for VP looking at you have to see like players on AGO like Snatchy and like PHR today was insane. So like they have to, they said they were gonna remove Neo. I'm pretty sure they said in that report if things weren't going well. Yeah, he hasn't been playing well at all. So I don't. I looked at I looked at Snatchy. He's been impressing me a lot lately. But like I don't know what else you have to do. Nothing's working. Yeah, Snatchy's playing. Really well, and I mean, I don't know. AGO is obviously impressive right now. Um, I, I think to to tr- I mean, that's true. It's a good good question to ask. I think the you know the one about who's the best on Versus Pro right now. I think if you look at you know instead of performance, if you looked at like theoretically or like potentially who could be the best player, I think you still have to say Snacks. Um, but the fact that he's not playing at that level consistently is obviously a symptom that there's something else going on in that team that that has not been solved or can't be solved or they need to use different kinds of measures to try and solve it i just don't know what it is like they don't even seem confident in the interviews like we, we talked about this throughout the day um today and, and yesterday that when they when they get interviewed they don't even seem like they really sort of like believe in it they're just like oh well uh, it's a bit of a struggle right now not looking too good you know, a little bit they look stressed as well on the stage i don't know i'm getting i i'm getting just a little bit worried for words pro I'm, i've got to say Pasha's tweeting after every tournament that he's going to retire, so that's a very sign itself. Can you blame you him, though? I mean, he's, got a, he's got a lot. I'm sure he's made a lot of money since uh, he's first been playing for a while, right? He's won some big events, been to some grand finals, some majors, won one. So I think I can, if he retired and you just saw Verse Pro in terms of like just collapse their CS division, what I can understand because Polish CS has not been consistent at all in terms of producing three teams like Denmark or Sweden or even NA at sometimes. So I think Polish Counter-Strike's kind of in a weird spot right now. You have AGO, you have Kinguin kind of technically is coming back, VPs somewhere doing something. So it's really hard to work it out. I feel like they could maybe involve some international free agents, make the scene better, but I don't think that's going to happen with like the culture. So it's a really interesting scene. I don't know how it's going to work out in the next six months, though. It's also kind of a thing where Virtus Pro haven't, like, over the years, they haven't included any new talent in their team. And then they just start, uh, sort of ended up in this situation where there's, like, you don't really know who's the next star in Poland. You don't really know who's the up-and-coming in-game leader. And so these players have just, like, been switching around for years and years. And now we're finally starting to see AGO coming up and showing that there's some more talent in Poland that they could be looking at. Yeah, that I think that's the exciting part for me is, I mean, you always had to assume to, to a certain extent, I think, that the inspirational model that Virtus Pro was putting on was going to be, you know, something that would lead more Polish players to play the game and become good at it. But then 
it also kind of felt like maybe they had like a lock on everything like that. You 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 couldn't. There's no way you were ever gonna get any light shine on you because you'd always be in the shadow of Virtus Pro, right? And now maybe that that's not true. Maybe what we're discovering is that there actually have been a lot of you know young Polish kids out there that have said, you know, I'm, I I want to be the next Pasha, and you know now that now that the top of the the mountain has started to come down a little bit, we can we can maybe start to see some of it. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I mean, that is true. That's one mountain that's falling down, but other mountain that seems to be in flux would be Fnatic, as we've seen the Swedish, uh, I guess the number one Swedish team right now. They've benched uh, Lekro, one of Tony's favorite players, and they've added Exist, who has been, you know, he was pretty good at phase, I guess, especially on cash, but do we think that that Exist is the right player to add to Fnatic, yes or no? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, like, I... I don't see a reason why they would kick Lekro besides internal issues would be the thing I can assume because he was the second best player in my opinion. And adding exists, you're, you're making gold in their entry, and he has not proven he can frag really at all yet. So it'd be mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. I just don't think it's a good roster move in general. Yeah. So the thing I would say there is like when you have a team, you kind of want the right mix of aggressive and passive players. So before you had Crimson Flusher who are passive players. And you have uh, JW and Lekker, who are more aggressive players. But now they've sort of messed it up by like adding a passive player in Exist and then getting rid of an aggressive player in Lekro. And then they're kind of going to force Golden to be an aggressive player. And I just don't really see how that's going to work out. And then on top of it, you have this whole situation where they've talked about in the past when they got rid of all of Meister, how they wanted to play this really tactical style. And now you're adding Exist, whose like, in-game leading style is the complete opposite of that. So I just don't really understand the logic. So I don't know if you have some insight, Anders, that can help us understand this. I wish I did. I mean, that would be, that'd be the best moment, wouldn't it? Um, I, 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 I share some of those concerns as well. Like. There's also there's also a general I think Swedish problem when it comes to like a bunch of the Swedish teams, which is that they're just they're just all very Swedish. Like there's there's they're so quiet. Like they don't have the same explosive. But you don't have to be like some sort of out of control, uh, you know, explosive personality person that can that can sort of you know revive the whole team when they're down. But you, you'd be good to have someone who could bring a bit of energy. And exist in some ways. I think it's like the sort of the opposite. Like he's from all the way up north in Sweden, where they, they don't even talk at all. Um, <laughs> it's it's like a strange situation, in my opinion. Uh, I I I'm not sure. like I think this is there's something weird that's going on here, and I I can't exactly put my finger on it. I I also think that we have maybe a twisted view of what exist is like as an in-game leader, in the sense that when he was actually doing the in-game leading for NIP in the beginning is when they were essentially untouchable. Like, you could have had anybody in-game lead for that team and they would have still went just because Forrest and Get Right and Exist and everybody else was so good, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I kind of wonder, like, it. I'm not sure if we can match that standard to today's standard and say that he's still going to be doing, you know, like, the same job or if, like, uh, it's just unclear to me how this is going to play out. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it, actually. If I if I have to be honest, I feel like I kind of like Lecro's style, and I don't know. Exist did play well in his short time and phase, though. If you, you have to give him that. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think Lecro was just a really good player. Um, I just don't see why what exist adds. I, I don't know Phase, not Phase. Fnatic have been like, oh, we want light, we want exist in the team, but I don't really see like what difference he adds to, except bad picks and bans. Maybe they're better on cash. I don't really understand what exist is really going to add to this team. I mean, in terms of like being a tactical team. I okay. I there may be a slight bit of insight. I think. Um... I think all the way back at the dawn of Global Offensive, Exist was going to be on the Fnatic Global Offensive team when they swapped over from 1.6. And I think Nip, Nip kind of stole him in the beginning. And right. I, I seem to remember Khan being not very happy about that whole situation. So I'm kind of wondering if this is like a... I, it's hard to imagine that the whole organization would keep the dream alive of getting Exist back somehow, but I'm sort of wondering <laughs> if there's some sort of thing that like, you know, even now, just like six years on, they're like, maybe we could still, maybe we could get that dream back somehow, you know? Right. Uh, there's some there's some historical narrative there that might be interesting that to to explore a little bit more. Maybe maybe we could get a chance to talk with uh, with Khan at some point and see if if it's, you know, his his long lost love that has returned. That's a long time to hold a grudge over that. Yes, yeah. it really. Sweden, what do you expect, though? Yes. Anything yes. can happen. Sweden does like to live in 2012, to be fair. Yeah, if, if only. <laughs> uh, one person not living in the past, though, or one team at least, is Gambit. We see them replacing Seized, and they're going to add Murr. And uh, I think a lot of, eh, you know, Seized wasn't even bad as an in-game leader recently. He did say he was, he was an IGL like Zeus which I thought was an interesting statement right before they played Na'Vi and then got crushed 2-0 by Na'Vi. So that was an interesting one. But uh, in the statement, I believe C said that they were saying, oh, you're too complex. I don't like these strategies. And then, you know, now he's gone. Now they're adding Murr, someone who can't IGL. So how do we feel about Murr and Gambit, especially with Gambit having some shaky results as of late? Um... I mean, first of all, it doesn't really solve the main issue that Gambit has, which is just the in-game leading issue. But I did say last week that if they weren't going to solve that issue, at least like make a sort of phase-like roster where you just fill them up with firepower and then see what you can do there. Because what they're doing currently, or what they did before, I guess, that's not really working. So I think it's an upgrade, but like, you still haven't solved the in-game leading issue, and in fact, it looks like they've kind of made it worse. Because I actually thought Seas did all right for that tournament where they let him in-game lead, and now they've like returned it back to Dosia, which mm-hmm. I <laughs> I don't know the guy personally, okay, but like he doesn't seem like an in-game leader to me just watching from the outside. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? I, <laughs> I mean. Okay, I don't want to be rude, but like he just oh, doesn't no. seem like the most cerebral player. There's like just look at this, just look at this playstyle. It's like he's had the same playstyle since 2012, where he holds in that shift key, he walks in apartments on Inferno or like on IV on train or wherever he walks, and he just walks and walks and he doesn't change it. And I don't know, that's just I, I just don't get. Dosha just does scream smart player to me. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Got some profile uh, here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of harsh to be honest. But I mean, I mean, I understand what you're saying though. Like, 
like issue with comparison to FaZe though, like FaZe has Kerrigan, a proven IGL. I mean, he might he might have had a history of choking and still kind of does with FaZe, but I mean, they have won a lot of events and he's a smart player. He's a tactical IGL, whereas, well, Lucish, I guess you'd say, but um, whereas Gambit doesn't have an IGL like they used to have with Zeus. And I think they're better on that structure system with Zeus when they won the major versus now where they have either top four, whether I think it was top four, top eight at Marseille, and then down to the lows of, you know, more recent times being 0-2 at a star ladder. I mean, to a certain extent, it depends on, I think it depends on what your time, what is the scale of the, the time you want this to work in. You know, if, you, if you're a Gambit and you're thinking, could we make Hobbit or Adren or Dozier or someone the, the in-game leader and then and then win the next major, you know, like, is if that's the goal, then definitely no. Like, I mean, I just don't see any way in, in which that's going to happen. But there's no reason you can't adopt, like, a longer scope than that and say we're going to spend, you know, from now until the end of the year building, you know, one of our guys as an in-game leader and maybe someone as, like, a support leader, you know, someone who can who can help out, you know, so that it's not just all on one person, but that can sort of, you know, you know, help to do some of the hard research and 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 understand how the other teams play. And then you hope to come out at the end of the year with someone who is actually capable of doing it. I think the problem is if you if you just appoint somebody the in-game leader and then hope the next tournament is going to work out well because that guy's going to be good at leading, it's like that in-game leading isn't a, isn't a skill you can pick up in the space of like two months. It's just not possible. So I think if the whole team is is willing to accept that it will take that time, then there's a chance it could work. If if they if they hope that it, it's going to be the magic cure and then you know they'll do really well, I just think it's it isn't not even worth trying. Then you should look for an in-game leader that can come in and do that job. Like then isn't there's no other way. I think that's the problem. Like they've been, I they switched like the Hobbit to Adrian to Doja and sees like you know, it's IGL in the span like a couple months. It seems like they're only going for like short-term results and it's obviously not working. So they just keep flipping around. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that, I think that that tends to happen because it's frustrating, right? And you you probably, I imagine as Gambit or any other team, you feel like you have an obligation to do well. Like you can't have three tournaments in a row where things aren't going well. Then people start to get upset. But like you know, there's I don't know, twenty tournaments in a year. So you know, if you don't do so well for three or four of them, you know, that's fine. If 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 you if everyone accepts it, I think it's just about being on the same page for for that kind of play. It's possible, I guess. Yeah, it definitely is possible. I think, but Gambit, I mean, their fans, I don't know, their fan base hasn't been too, I guess, uh, aggressive considering they haven't been, they don't have a big history of winning events like a SK or a Fnatic or like Nip even, or of course FaZe. Like, they don't have like, they're not used to success in a, in a way. So I guess if they're kind of mediocre right now, I don't think it should matter too much. But definitely think they should be, because they have a lot of potential to be the best CIS team. For sure, with Navi outside of simple and electronic being eh, so I definitely think there's a lot of room to improve. Yeah, I will say this too, just as a last comment. Uh, I I think Mir is amazing. I really really like his style. I I, I think I, I'm actually really happy that Gambo picked him up. I think it's a, it's a great idea. At least I hope they keep him as well. Yeah, I definitely think he's a good talent. We've always said we've always been big fans of him on the podcast. So I don't think he's definitely a bad pickup. It's just I guess in terms of picking up what you need versus what you want. I guess would be the complaint some might have, which I can understand. But one person I'm who loves it, I'm also sorry. Wow, that hurts, man. It hurts. I was gonna say you something. Can go. You can go. You can I was go. gonna say if you're Gambit, you gotta you're looking from the outside. You gotta look at like Vanguard and see what they're doing. They're like been on the rise recently. They're impressing me a lot too. They yeah, like Buster and Jame and Quicker. 
Yeah, I guess you can say a Vanguard or like even like individuals from Quantum Bellator Fire or other of these like teams that have come up and down, considering they still have a major, <laughs> they still have a legend status and a major somehow. But um, yeah, I guess you can understand that. But I don't know who Avangar's IGL really is. I think Jame was at one point. I'm not too sure. I think he still is. But okay, maybe there's, there's nothing from these up and coming CIS teams that uh, screams like smart cerebral in game leading to me. So uh, I'm not really sure who who was gonna be the choice there. I mean, I guess nope. you don't. You can I mean, I agree with that actually, but I think. I I think you don't have to like I think to to the style of in-game leader that we all seem to be talking about is to like try and become you know Carrigan or Fallen level or something which is like I mean that that there aren't that many people out there and it, and they've been at it for a long time but I think what Quantum Bellfire and and Avangar have shown is that if you just understand the basics of the game well enough and like the whole team is in on it then that's enough like that could carry you so long Maybe it'll be a while before you take on Astralis, but that can't possibly be the, the team goal to say, well, get, well, that's what we want to do in the next three months. We just want to beat Astralis, you know. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a silly goal to have. So, I don't know. I, I think I think those teams are good models in the sense that they kind of do prove that if you get the basics down really solid and you have you have decent players, then that, that'll take you a fair distance. Yeah, that's a good point. That's about what I would say. Like, I mean, you don't have to have a smart and cerebral player like a blade, someone who's like really fall. They just he just forgot how to frag, and so he's become irrelevant now. So I think you don't have to have something super smart, just somebody that can make good calls and like confident ones, so that you can you know have good T sides, decent CT sides. You can let your individual players kind of carry. So I think that's kind of more of the CI style, anyways. With people like simple, like you have players that are really good individually that can carry a team. So I think that's still possible. And of course, it works for Navi, so I mean, why can't it work for Gambit, right? But one team that really didn't work out was G2 Esports, and so we saw Mixwell now. Free agent, the beloved Spaniard of North American fame. We've uh, questioned a lot whether he should either stay in the French scene, maybe, I don't really know what the French scene is going to be doing with LDLC God. or Envious. But <laughs> Nobody should stay in the French scene. <laughs> I mean, that's a great. I mean, but somehow, so for whatever reason, Major wants to get back in. I don't know why. Maybe to ruin another team. I don't know. But we've argued he should go baby back to his old buddies in Tarek and Rush and replace Kadoodle, who might be on the way out considering FNS was just recently caught after the big buyout. So, how do we feel about Mixwell's chances of landing on an NA team, staying in the French scene, or going international? Uh, so, if we look at Mixwell's options, uh... NA is obviously one of the big ones because he's played there before, but like, I think we saw that he had the homesickness and he didn't really enjoy playing in NA from what I've seen in interviews and stuff like that. So maybe we should kind of be looking at European international teams because yeah. like Anders said, no one should stay in the French team. So <laughs> those are kind of his options. And if we look at those, I mean, I don't think Mouse Sports or FaZe are going to be looking for a new player anytime soon. So then you need to look at the next team, which is probably Hellraisers. Or Temple hmm. Storm. Or Temple yeah. Storm, yeah. That's the other one. So Get back banned. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. But like one of those two teams is perhaps where he should end up. I mean, Temple Storm hasn't really done anything yet, but like I could see him on a, on a Hellraisers maybe. If like maybe instead of like a, a Dead Fox who has been criticized a lot. I mean, they don't really play the same role, but like, I could see them switching it around a bit and stacking a bit more skill in there. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think there's anything Mixwell can't do in the game. So <laughs> just give him anything that he'll probably make it work. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he should get out of the French scene. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's pri- that's priority number one. Uh, I it's it is I, there are obviously a lot of people now that have gone through this process of moving to America and then discovering that they're not really loving it all that much. I personally don't really get it. I think America is great, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but if you if you don't find yourself at home, then obviously you, you you're not going to be able to sustain a professional career in any meaningful sense if you if you don't really feel like you're doing it. Yeah, I mean the the whole the whole European or international mixed team concept, I think has kind of been validated. Like it, it is obviously not easy to make all the pieces fit, but you could probably find an, enough loose agents and, and stuff like that, that that are willing to give it a try and some organization that will pay you money to play. I think that's that's not such a bad idea. I agree with that. I think Hungary would be a good fit, considering they've had decent results, but they never had like eye-popping results yet. So I think replacing Botvox, who was a former primary opera and then became a rifler, much like Mixwell is, where he was a primary opera and now he wants to be a rifler slash you know hybrid player. I think that'd be a good fit for him, even if Devox is more of a support player. I think Mixwell can play a sort of like a fluid role in that kind of team because you have other good players like Issa. Waxic. I mean, it's a really stacked. It could be it, with Mixwell. It could be a stacked team, and Duffy could become like more of a top team. And uh, you know, I mean, I don't think that you could really say he. I mean, I don't know where else he would go. I mean, you said mentioned Tempo Storm, but I don't know if you would want to downgrade Tempo Storm like that. So I just know he's friends. Yeah, I just know he's friends with Lol and their coach, but he's not there anymore. But. <laughs> It could that I don't know, this team that team has potential on paper, in my opinion, but we haven't seen much yeah, that's true. of anything really yet. So you can always dig and toss. That's always an option, I'm sure. <laughs> oh the number one God. team in the NA scene. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe they could make it. a European team again. That went oh, really well. That did go really well. Unfortunately, it's not well anymore. But one player who I think is feeling the same kind of blues is FNS. Who's recently gone inactive after a reported two hundred thousand dollar buyout? Which some people are saying the numbers are not entirely the real, you know, show the whole story of how much he actually is worth. Um, FNS is no longer going to be with Cloud9 after ECS London. How do we feel about FNS's chances of either going where he's going to go after this with Tarek being the new IGL? Um. Well, I mean. He did say in his statement that he was going to go inactive for a while, but I don't know how accurate that sort of is. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But one thing I will say is, like, if you're going to bring in FNS, at least give him the time and space to make the changes that he wants to. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they gave up really, really fast on, like, creating new tactics and letting him, you know really put his mark on the Cloud9 team because it seemed like they just kind of continued a bit with their old tactics and then just like, oh, we put FNS in there. And then it's just like a worse version of the old team. So yeah, I feel like if you're going to bring in FNS, I mean, you should bring in FNS. I mean, bring him in properly and like allow him to like take over the team instead of just like replacing him a few months later and then like there's other problems in this team as well. I mean, it's not like you can just say, oh, FNS did really badly and he was the problem the whole time. I mean, there's a 
people like Rush and Skadoodle who said, oh, we're going to step up when FNS comes in. And Rush <laughs> was saying, oh, I fit really well into FNS's system. And then he just, he's just playing the same that he has been in Cloud9 the whole time. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's the same conversation that we were just having about Gambit and having an in-game leader and, and whether or not you, you try and adopt for the long term or for the short term, right? And I kind of agree, like, if you bring in someone like FNS or really anybody into a team, like, you've got you've to have some sort of collective idea about how soon do you expect some sort of success in this current context. Like, if I give you $100 and then I come back next week and I say, have, have you managed to increase it to a million? That's what I really want. Like, you, like it's, there's got to be some agreement about when, when does that million come back into it. Um, so I, I do feel like a lot of people are doing this now where their expectations are just like they're at least misaligned in some ways. They're not everybody, whether it be the org and the other five players or just within the team, people have like an, some sort of misalignment of what they think they should be getting out of this and how soon that, that success is going to be able to come. I don't know. I was actually, I was actually really surprised with how well FNS was doing. I, I had kind of, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure what I was expecting exactly, but I wasn't expecting him to play um good so i don't know i feel like there's something else going on here that, I, that i'm not aware of i remember the pickup uh mbk or one of apex right mm -hmm. yeah i've heard this as well yeah i don't know how that, <laughs> that's gonna work but that'll be oh, interesting i guess maybe mbk wants to ig on the international scene because maybe they can you know learn how to have a good economy management i don't know but i feel like the issue with NB, I think if you bring in NBK and Mixwell, I think when they brought in FNS, they had to replace Skadoodle and then put in like either Ricky or JDM. That would have been a good team. But then they decided, and Skadoodle went active for what, 14 days? And then he came back and he was like a god. And then for online for two weeks, and then he was a bot again on land. So I don't understand why they kept Skadoodle and thinking that, well, it's Skadoodle and Rush underperforming. FNS was playing pretty well in clutches from what I've seen, and he wasn't bad fragging-wise on land. So I don't understand why this is all of a sudden FNS's fault or he's like the reason why they don't just gel with his style when obviously Skadoodle has been an inconsistent piece. And when you're an opera, that's like one of the big set pieces, right? So on CT sides, holding out a bomb site or on T side, the op is very important in terms of like, you know, you can't really get many kills with it sometimes. So I don't understand why they kept Skadoodle, knowing his issues and his consistency issues, over getting someone like Ricky's a free agent or JDM a free agent. I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me. I think you had to replace, uh, if you're going to play Stewie, you're going to have to replace Skadoodle as well because his major performance was an overperformance, unfortunately for him and NA as a whole. But it's just a sad because Cloud9 was the top team in the world or whatever you want to say for once and then by you know we just did the old na and just ruined the whole team so really kind of sad to see but one thing that's not really sad to see is phase um, getting back all of meister switching out one swede for another and i think that's really interesting because Olaf meister he took a personal break you know hopefully he can be back to his godlike form again he was pretty good in phase before how do you feel about phase and their chances in future tournaments with all meister now yeah, I mean, if we, we were kind of talking about last week, like who's going to challenge Astralis? And I feel like if there's one team that's going to do it out of the current ones, I mean, face with all of my so it's a pretty good bet because they're a team with so much firepower that even a team like Astralis shouldn't be able to match in theory. So they have that edge on them that no one else has, 
really. So I definitely think it's a good move to at least try and bring him back for a while. I mean, they did have some issues still when he was in the lineup. We have to remember that. But I mean, they should at least give it a shot again because there's just this big upside to this lineup that we've seen like when they first came together back in the fall. I I feel I feel really conflicted about the whole phase project. Like I think Olaf Meister is an amazing player and and if the project doesn't work long term, then I it, there's I can't see it being like you know anything to do with him specifically like it has to be that I like I want the project to work because it would be so cool to have like this all-star super team that just like goes on to win some like you know a major tournament and just like but at the same time it's almost like you want Counter-Strike to be a slightly more complex game than that that then then that you could make one super team and like buy out all the best players and then then you just kind of win, which I think is always what we've seen that that you can't maybe do that. But I don't know. Um, I think I'm I'm super happy that all of my students back, and I agree that they should definitely give it another try, and maybe even a second and a third if it if it doesn't work after this. But um, yeah, I like I I'm just happy to see him back in the lineup. I think it's been too long already. Yeah, I can understand that. I think uh, they'll be better with him. Even I think Exist wasn't bad, but just secondary caller. Maybe they actually needed a secondary caller in the phase. Maybe that healed some issues. But I definitely think that Ulf is a big, of course, you know, in terms of fragging boost. He was a pretty good, like, double op or however they used to work that sometimes on, like, overpass. But it'll be interesting to see how the team feels. Like, they went from having Ulf Meister, then they had Exist. They kind of plugged him into his spot, so to speak. And now they're going to take assist out. Now they can put Ulfmeister back in. It's a lot of plug-in and plugging out and plugging in and plugging out. And I wonder how that'll affect the team's mental or they're like, you know, there's some of their less tangible aspects of the team, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talk about this concept of, as you said, the secondary caller and the mm-hmm. sort of support structure of phase, I guess you could say, when you have all these superstars in there then you're not necessarily gonna play a very structured style which is something that when phase were towards the end of the all of my lineup the last time we were talking about like should they maybe try and you know get a more supportive player should they maybe try and play a little bit more of a tactical style maybe mm-hmm. and i mean that could be a potential solution that they're gonna look to down the line because even with exist, they they didn't really change anything other than you know plugging exist into a lot of all of my roles. So, I mean, we're gonna have to see if it works out because if it doesn't, then maybe that's something they have to look at. For sure. And there's uh, always the, there's always the dream that if it doesn't work out, they they try and pick up simple to join. Them. <laughs> <laughs> or it all off goes back to fanatic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the real. Dream. Oh no! I think that's too much. (laughs) I can see it. I can see the Olaf the fanatic thing in the future, but not the simple thing. What would your life even be like if you had to try and play a team that had Nico and Simple in the same line? (laughs) (laughs) That would be the biggest matrix. Oh man! Oh, and then it would be a simulation then. But uh, yeah, I mean, my dream would be Valde in this team instead of Olaf Meister. See, that would. uh, Ooh, that's my boy right there. I'm. I'm for anything that will rescue Valdo. He's just so good. <laughs> I mean, you say rescue, but like, I guess North. Uh, I mean, well, 
I guess y'all feel the biased opinion, but I guess that North haven't been too bad. I mean, I think I don't think they'll ever be top five in the world, but I think they aren't necessarily awful anymore, right? Yeah, because yeah. of Valde. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Valde you have uh you know, you have AZ, the uh the best the best Danish player, correct? Besides device. Listen. No. No. Can we not? Can we not go there? All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Though. I get too tilted. Oh, I'll, I'll say this: North are playing better than they were, which is not saying a lot, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, talk about North, but and they're one of the teams in Star Ladder, and so we have. We're going to talk about some predictions going forward in terms of who we think the favorites are to win Star Ladder, some dark horses, and which eight teams are going to go to the playoffs. And so far in Star Ladder, we haven't had too many interesting results. Uh, Tyloo have been kind of decent. They're one and one. Bentet is the god as per usual. I think they're still missing Captain Mo because A- AE, call him After Effects. He hasn't really been that great. I don't know. He's been kind of up and down. And then you have performances like where you see Renegade is completely, utterly just just bad. I mean, I, Sponge has to be crying right now. I don't know if he is or not. But it just it's just sad to see like Renegades go from like IEM where they're looking so good to being so bad. I don't know what went on. I guess the coach is a big deal, but it's just, it's really bad form. But uh, who do we think is everyone's favorites for to win the event? Team Liquid. Yeah, I think Team Liquid is kind of the big one because, mm-hmm. you know, they only got stopped by Astralis at the last tournament. So you're kind of looking towards them. I mean, other than that, you're looking at Mouseports, of course. They won the last Star Series and they're a really good team. You're mm-hmm. also, I think the last team that I would put in the favorites category is Navi, mm-hmm. even though they lost to Tyloo on day one. <laughs> but they, I mean, when you have simple playing like that and you have electronic <laughs> helping him, there's, I mean, you, you're going to be the favorite to win a tournament no matter what, or at least one of the favorites. The thing to note about Team Liquid is they need to fix their, like the Mirage the Mirage looked really shaky today. I don't know what's going on there because they beat Astralis. At Pro League, and then they lose Godsent today. But that could—that was Godsent's kind of pocket pick. So, so I I've—I mean, I've been mesmerized by Simple as well. I, I've got Navi up there. I—I uh, I can't 100% defend it, but you know, just a little bit. And in terms of Sponge, I mean, his life is perpetually miserable. So I, <laughs> I'm not even sure this Renegade stuff even is registering at this point. You know, but you know, he seemed pretty numb on the desk. So I was like, uh oh. <laughs> But we talk about, I guess, Dark Horses. Uh, for me, well, for favorites, of course, I say Liquid. You know, as any fanboy with a Liquid flag behind me. But um, I think Liquid are looking really good. Even though they had a kind of a scare against Gods and on Mirage. Other than that, they've been really good. Their map pool is pretty, pretty deep. So I think they should be able to win the event. But I think number two would probably be Mouse, then Navi, and then SK. But I mean, other than that, it's, you know, it's like a tier one, they have the tier two, and then everybody else. But in terms of Dark Horses... I have to say probably Hellraisers, right? Because they've been pretty good on land. Uh, they have some good pieces. Angels are really smart. IGL. I, f- I think it was Mist who was marveling at the, the smoke he threw from Underpass to Jungle. I believe. Yeah, it. I think that was insane. Yeah, that was. It's, that's why I believe. Yeah, you didn't clip it, unfortunately, but it sounds pretty insane, though. But he's a really Angel, smart guy. Angel's been wildly underrated for like. Five years at least. Oh, <laughs> like, sure. I'm, yeah. I'm not even kidding. It's been so long. He's just he's flown on the radar for some odd reason. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. I mean, it's sad that he has such a big buyout that you can't really buy him out from Hellraisers unless you have like Buku money. And teams like Navi are pretty 
have a reputation of being stingy. So, I mean, I would love to see him in place of Zeus, but, you know, that's just a boy can dream. A boy can dream. But who's everyone else's dark horses to potentially win or place top four? I mean, my dark horse for this event, no. uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going to go. I'm going to say North. Oh, let's go. Uh, that's crazy <laughs> that, as that sounds. I, I got to have some Danish representation in here, okay? So I think North, uh, I think one of the upsides that we've just talked about is Valde, who I personally think he is the, I would say, the third best player at this event. Uh, I think he's really underrated by a lot of people at the moment and like when you have a star like that that alone is gonna give you a boost so i think they could definitely like i'm i'm not i'm not saying they're gonna win the tournament okay i think that maybe they can reach the semi-finals if they get a good opponent in the quarterfinals because they're just like a solid team that when they play their optimal level, they should beat like everyone below them and then like, you know, get the odd upset here and there. So I think the Dark Horse is going to depend a lot on who avoids drawing Team Liquid and like Navi in the quarterfinals. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'll go with Norse. That'll be my pick. Uh, I won't, I'll agree with you, Jamaica, about the Hellraisers for like top four. That would be my Dark Horse for like semis and stuff. But like for top eight, I have to go with Godsend. I have to. If, I I just really like their play style. Like watch, watching them, like you have Twi Twist. Twist is inconsistent, like, and his attitude and stuff. But, like he's been like performing pretty decent recently. And like Brolin, he's 15, first like huge big land. He I f he's like one of their entry, I think. So if he gets like nerve shattered off, I think he can be a good piece for this team. He already is, but I see them having a good chance of making top eight. They play a Vanger tomorrow. I think they should be able to take. So um, things are looking good. I don't. I don't even know. I think. I mean, this whole tournament is just a little bit confusing to me. But I would say, anyone who is Navi or Liquid or Mouse, like, I'd be surprised if any of them, like, you know, obviously some of them have to make it to the semifinals. But I just have this feeling that. Like it's it's all so much a disarray for me. I I don't have like a very clear picture in my mind about which of the rest are you know currently in, in a great form to be able to to do it. Like I, I mean, if I just look at the names on the paper on North, I agree. Like they they've got the things they need. Like they do, and they have MSL has got all this experience now. Like this, I can't think of a good reason except that they're not doing it. So like. Um, like I feel like that with a bunch of teams right now. Um, I when I look at I, when I look at the lineup of people on Gambit, I have like a similar kind of feeling. Even if we ignore the in-game leader stuff that we talked about earlier, like I, st I still think like yeah, they sh they could do much better than they currently are. So I don't know. I feel I don't have a, like a very good answer to the to the dark horse question. Just anyone who is in those three teams. That's fair. It's funny. Uh, I think it was Mike who mentioned that Valdi was the top three player at this event, but according to Angel TV rankings. The top players as follow, Simple, Naf, Snatchy, Hampus, Oscar, Sunny, Colzera, and Forrest. And Tom there. Okay, this is uh, a really good fragging. IGL. Yeah. Hampus has a 1.44 rating on five maps. And top one is Simple, of course, 1.52 across four maps. And Naf is second with 1.51 across five maps. And Team Liquid is the number one rated team, followed by Navi, Mouse Sports, and then Ego. So... It's I pretty interesting. Top, you know, I meant top there. three, or as in like over the course of 2018. 
Okay. Wow. That's even wow. I mean, <laughs> the NSCS is a hell of a drug, isn't it? Wow. Uh, top, top three of the teams that are here, I obviously don't like include okay. like. Oh, okay. Whatnot. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, you still have Simple in that group, Naf, Naf in that group, uh, Sunny. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm kind of reaching here, I guess, at the end. But yeah, that's fair. But I guess it's interesting because he's a support player traditionally. I've always loved Valdi. You know that. Uh, I think he's really. Has a really level head. He has a very smart, cool, casual playing style. And he's a really good fragger, of course. So I think he's a great fit for North. It's just a shame that Mertz has been kind of, is a, big, a, bit, a big letdown compared to his, of course, academy form. Which is a shame because, you know, I thought he had a lot of promise and potential. But, you know. I guess they're amazing yeah. to be seen. I guess those are like the, the LAN nerves that are setting in now. You know, like the, the feeling of playing in like a serious lineup and and against really big opponents i think he'll outgrow it like i think that this is going to be a temporary stage a lot of people players go through it i think if the rest of the team can just like help him then it, it'll be fine yeah i agree with that i can i can understand that so um if everyone well we pretty much at our top eight at this point so We'll kind of skip that part. But um, we did have some questions. We took them from the wonderful, wonderful audience here on the podcast. And one of the questions was, uh, what tournament organizer, Anders, do you feel should get a shot at the major that has only hosted one? And which one that you think should return? <laughs> I give you a really biased answer and say Blast Pro. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's shocking, isn't it? It should be um, Copenhagen, right? Exactly. How, how how did you how could you possibly have guessed? Um, I I think I think so far, Elik have they're not even close to being touched in terms of organizing the majors and, and running it. There's some things I would like to upgrade. I think it would be fun to have like a little bit more talent representation at Elik of like you. And I think it would be fun if even if the miners and stuff like that were like a little bit better covered. But I still think they do like overall the, the best job Turner. Uh, at the moment, I I th I'm I would I'd go so far as to say I would be devastated if PGL didn't get another chance. I think hmm. I think yeah I think PGL were their major was kind of overshadowed by the fact that there were some technical and like some venue issues that was m sort of more or less out of their control. And I I have an enormous amount of respect for them as a company. I think they are they're very 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 good at what they do, and I think it's there's an unfortunate shift that's happening right now in in the production company world, which is that PGL are sort of being pushed more into doing Dota 2 events because there's more room for them to do stuff in Dota 2, and there's less room for them to do anything in Counter-Strike because the calendar year is so full. So I, I think it'd be, a, it'd be an unbelievable loss for Counter-Strike if PGL uh, swapped too much out of Counter-Strike and too much into Dota. That's just that's my opinion. How did you find uh, MLG's major when they hosted oh. one? So yeah, that was incredible. Um, but obviously, that that happened like right after Blizzard Activision had bought um, that whole thing, right? So a lot of people were wondering whether they would even be allowed to do like do one in the future, because I mean that from from Val's point of view, that could be a little bit tricky, right? Um, I've never actually got confirmation about whether or not that would be like a conflict of interest that would make Valve say no, or maybe Blizzard Activision wouldn't want to do it because they've got their own FPS games and, you know, out there somewhere. So I'm not sure, but yes, the and the, the people at MLG, uh, like, I get along with it super well. So, um, yeah, that it it's a real shame that they haven't been able to host one. I don't know if, 
if they won't or they can't, if there's some other legal problem going on. But that'd be super interesting to me. You're right. Yeah, I think so. I think MLG did a great job. I thought with the major, I thought it was one of the more exciting ones in North America. So, but um, you know, there's a lot of good tournament organizers out there, right? Like there's like Gfinity or some great, some great names. Not 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 a biased opinion, of course, in Gfinity, but I mean, <laughs> but there are some definitely some great names that have hosted ones in the past, or I guess now E League has been pretty good. I just feel like their production kind of feels similar at this point, so it doesn't feel special. Like I thought Atlanta was a really special event. But the most uh, Boston didn't, other than NA, of course, winning, it didn't feel, you know, in terms of, uh, it didn't feel that exciting compared to like Atlanta. But another question we had was, um, wait, can you, of, can, mm-hmm. can, can you try and, is there any, is there any, I'm really interested in all this stuff, obviously. Um, right. Is there any, is there any way to like, uh, like elaborate on that? Like, I mean, I, I, for some reason, I like, I, I do kind of feel like the hype, that was there for Atlanta was kind of nuts. Um, and obviously, I, rem- I remember it from casting the finals, which is really, really overwhelming. But I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not 100% sure, but I think if I had to just, off the, if someone woke me up at four in the morning and asked, like, you know, which had the most emotional, like, crowd, I, I'd probably have to say Atlanta over Boston, but like, I'm not 100% sure why. I just feel like Atlanta had a better crowd in terms of, like, it wasn't biased towards just NA. And that was really annoying kind of with the Cloud9 because it was just pure Cloud9 fans. Of course, you had, like, some face fans in the crowd, but, like, it was obviously pretty biased. And so it wasn't like where you had Astralis and VP. Those chants were awesome. I love those. Or even the RB's chant was yeah. hilarious. Oh, I have that clip, Twitch clip still. But, I mean, plus that was, like, one of the first majors I watched, really, besides, like, Cologne 2016. So I thought, for, of course, for me, it was really special. And I just thought, I don't know, I felt like Boston, it didn't have, like, the production value was, like, it was good. But it just felt like any other E-League event, it didn't have anything specially special. So it didn't have anything that stood on its own, in my opinion, at least. One thing I'll say as well is uh, the Atlanta one was kind of like the first time where we had a super long gap in between the majors. So if you remember previously, we always had three majors a year and then, like, from Cologne 2016 to Atlanta, there was a really long time in between. And then it was right after the break as well. So there was all this hype around this tournament because because we hadn't seen a big one in a long time. So I think that helped a lot as well. Yeah, that's that's probably a really good point. I I mean, there's this obviously really quickly leads us back to the discussion around the general saturation of the scene. I mean, one thing is having majors too close to each other, but the other problem is obviously the fact that there's an enormous, like an ocean of count- online Counter-Strike that's being played at you know any time, given day or night, you can just tune in and there's going to be some online Counter-Strike going on. Like that, that that to me is starting to become a real problem as well. That I, I can't, I'm having I'm continuously a harder time overlooking it, you know? Like I'm trying to ignore it, but I can't. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I mean, I had a rant about oversaturation a few weeks ago. That's not... So, my thing on oversaturation is when you have people that are like journalists or casters or whatever they are, and you, you guys kind of, and us as well, we kind of have to watch everything because we want to like be on top of, oh, who's a good team and who, who should we write about next and who should... Uh, we should watch these upcoming teams as well. But if you're just an average fan, you you can pick to just watch NIP or watch Navi or, you know, pick out your favorite teams. I think people have this 
kind of perspective where they have to watch everything and i just don't think that's true i think you can pick your favorite organizers or pick your favorite you know teams or pick just to watch the finals or whatever but like if you're a caster you obviously don't have that luxury so you kind of get that oversaturation perspective if you know what i mean yeah but it's i, I mean it's even worse than that like the, those of us who are working on the casting side we can't even do that like it, it's just not physically possible most of us spend too much time in hotel rooms where the internet isn't good enough or we are in airports or we are traveling to or from an airport or like it, it they, i can guarantee you there's nobody who's working at like the the higher levels of of the counter-strike circuit that that is that can currently keep up with everything that's going on um maybe it's a it's a bit easier for some of the people who are doing let's say pro league and so they they you know that they're working on those games but I mean, even if you think about pro league as a as a situation just isolated you know if you're the European casting team that shows up at five in the evening to do the the European Pro League, when you get when you're off at midnight, you're not going home to stay up and watch the American broadcast, right? <laughs> that would be that would be fully mental. So instead, you just have to say like you just have to sort of you know summarize the results maybe the day later and hope that you know if somebody did something truly incredible. I actually have this fear a lot. Like I I sometimes worry about this going into a match that. Because this wasn't the case in like 13 and 14. Like that, th at that point, I could still kind of keep up with what was going on. But I sometimes worry now that if I go into a match and let's say somebody does some trick that, you know, a good portion of the internet saw the day before, but I didn't for whatever reason because I was at an airport or something, you know. So, and and maybe nobody, nobody, you know, told me. I'd be I'd be scared at this point that that you know I would react to it in a way I mean maybe this is just a caster thing but I I'd be a little bit scared that I would react to it in a way that would reveal that oh he's not actually watching the game versus like it in it'll, I am trying but it's just not possible you know yeah I will say that you you even if you try to watch everything I mean it's impossible like I I honestly can't remember the last time that I have watched online Counter Strike like on a regular basis watch the well, game here and there but like i i don't watch like you know every pro league game or every ecs game i mean that's impossible for anyone well doesn't it also i mean it's also a little bit shocking that even if you did then the results from those places wouldn't give you any kind of good picture about what you would see in the upcoming big land tournament you know like i mean yeah. there's that's a problem for yeah, sure. because with Astralis as well, we saw this trend online where they were like, you know, undefeated in however many matches, but like a lot of people didn't see coming in, including myself, to that first event after that streak that, oh, Astralis are actually going to just destroy everyone because they've been doing that online as well. I know that's not always like exactly correlated, but in that case, it definitely was. And I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Like energy. Yeah, the yeah. biggest disappointment in a Counter Strike since forever. I mean, this is depressing how they were so good online, and then like I said, Cirque is not going to be good on LAN. And guess what? He's a big time onliner. I mean, Ethan's been pretty good consistently. Everyone else either has a good performance or a bad performance. There's no consistency to the team whatsoever. I think FNS should go to Energy, replace Daps, and then you'd have a good team. But that's just my that's my opinion on that team. I have a not a thing. Uh, Anders, how do you how would you feel about like a Sort of like a studio thing, like League or like Overwatch does for like like Pro League or something, like split the year, like half the year, but like League in a studio in like LA or somewhere like in Europe, and then the other half of the year would be no leagues, but like uh, other organizers hosting like tournaments and stuff like that. 
I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, if I had to, I've, I've asked myself this question really a lot. Like what is the, what is the best version of Counter-Strike possible? And for me, it's definitely the kind that, that, that is played on a stage with a big crowd. And it doesn't have to be 10,000 people. I think people misunderstand how much that matters. Like there are a lot of other things that go into building an atmosphere inside of an arena, but you know, a, a reasonably sized crowd uh, and then, you know, players playing on a stage. For me, that's like the, that's the best that you can experience in Counter-Strike. And I, and I think that version of the Counter-Strike product is so good that it you don't have to do a lot of convincing, even to people who aren't regular viewers. They they know it when they see it. They definitely feel it. They can like it just it it transfers so well into people's, you know, mind that they just they just they know they just saw something that was interesting that they might want to watch more of. And and I think that's enough. So I want as much of that as we can get. I think that's the best way that I can phrase like it's I know it's not like a direct answer, but like that's the best that I can do in terms of saying I want more of that but but obviously if it was every single weekend like it's hard to imagine you could you could fill a stadium of you know or like fill an arena of like three or four thousand people every single weekend maybe that can't be the goal but i wish we had more of that and less of the other stuff yeah i get it yeah i get your point there agree with that another question we had was if you were to build a a swedish super team what five players with no limits would you put on it Directed for Anders, oh, of course. God. Yeah. A Swedish super team with five players, no limit. Does that mean like no budget limit or no what's budget the... limit? No beef history. No, it doesn't matter. Anybody who you think would be the best five Swedish Swedish players right now? I mean, <laughs> while well, I have to think about it, think about it. I can I can jump in and then give him oh, some no. time. So, a hundred percent, you should have crimps on this team. That's no question about that. And personally, I would have Golden as the in-game leader because I Ooh. think he's done a really good job with Fnatic, at least as far as you know, getting them results. So, I think those two definitely would be my first two kind of cornerstones of the team. Mm-hmm. And then, in terms of the Orpa, I think you have to be looking towards Draken still, mm-hmm. even though he's a bit up and down, I think he's still the best Swedish Orpa. Wow. So out with him in there. Degrees. And then uh, I think Dennis is a super good player. I think he is a very wow. versatile player that you can put in sort of every spot that you want him to. So I'll put him in there. And then for the last spot, that one is kind of difficult, actually. Maybe Rez. I don't really know. Yeah, maybe Rest or maybe Brolan or maybe Ugh. Electro. One of those three would kind of be my thing. But yeah. All right, that's fair. Oh man, I I actually almost, on principle, dislike these these type of questions because <laughs> they they do force you to forget about what you know about people individually. So you have mm-hmm. to sort of ignore all the personality problems, which is which kind of like defeats the purpose of doing it but um i guess i guess i guess you it would be hard not to pick someone like crims i i, I can't overlook all of meister either um so yeah crims all of meister dennis probably two i'd probably have forest in there but then you get to the engagement problem i i actually can we just respect the fact that golden is like one of the only people in the swedish scene right now that actually looks like he maybe wants to in game lead 
Like that's yeah. that yeah. that's pretty cool. Like that doesn't happen all that often. People should be carrying around like, you know, I'm on a throne or something at this point, just saying like, please <laughs> bring leadership to the Swedish scene because they need it. So yeah, that might be a good pick. But he's not even an in-game leader right now, which is the worst part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a little bit mental. All right, and then we had one more question. Well, it's kind of a two-part one. And the question was, obviously, you've cast a lot of events, Anders, but what is the most memorable one and why? And if one event you casted that left a negative impression on you? <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the final day with VP and Astralis in Atlanta, was, that was, that's really, really high up on my list. Um, I, yeah, that was, that was a really special moment, really kind of crazy. Uh, I had an enormous amount of fun uh, casting Blast Runner. I'm not just saying that because I helped helped to organize it, but I was really shocked by how <laughs> how um, how how much of the the audience were engaged. Like I, I obviously expected that there would be like people there rooting for Astralis and stuff, but the the energy inside of the arena was really crazy. And like I've had so many people come to me afterwards and tell me that they had a, a really good time there and, and everything. So that was kind of special. It, I, maybe it was also like, I mean, I obviously can't disconnect my own involvement in it completely from the emotion of being there because it's so stressful helping to organize something like this, like more than I could have ever imagined. Like I forgot, I, I developed a different respect for people who do this the whole year round. Um, it's definitely crazy. Um, I have had one experience where I, where I was really, really, really uh, like shocked um, and that was that was back in the olive boost um, incident mm. <laughs> on on overpass and um, Semler and I were casting that game and I was loving it. I I mean I still think it's gen- genius. It's obviously abusive and it was obviously going to get removed from the game the very next day. But you know I still think it's genius. I I can't I don't know what to say. You know like I I can't really bring myself to say that. That you know they shouldn't have done it, or that they would like. It. I think a lot of teams would have done the same thing. I just think it, it was just like the ultimate collapse of all of the worst things that could have happened with like that Devil Walk interview afterwards, and just the general fact that nobody seemed to like them even going into it because they didn't shake hands with Nips back in two thousand six oh. or something. It's like just all the all the bad things that could have been put into like one event was that. And I was loving it. I was laughing. I mean, if you go back and listen to the VOD, like I was just, somehow I was just laughing at the whole situation. It was just all, all around good time. And then I, I p- take off my headset, you know, stand up from my chair. And, you know, it's like, that was, you know, that was absolutely crazy. And then I turn around and I can see people like shuffling about down on the floor because we were like a little bit off on like some scaffolding and people just shuffling around completely crazy. And I walk down and like the admins are running back and forth and, Somebody says to me, like, yeah, wow, this is this is a huge deal right now. And I was like, what do you, you know, I mean, they, I mean, what? And then, and I still wasn't really sure. And then I, I picked up my phone and looked at my Twitter account. And I had so many messages with people saying, like, you, you, know, you should absolutely kill yourself. You ne- I never want to hear you commentate a game ever again. Why are you laughing at this? They, you know, why are you, why are you cheering on these disgraceful players? And... <laughs> I just remember, like my, I just, that feeling that people say they have when, like, the blood drains from their face. That's mm-hmm. what I felt like. I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what if I like have I done something?" Like, and I felt like that for a while. I was like, "Did I have some sort of responsibility in this case to like do things there?" And now I don't really think that I did. But you know, like that was a shocking moment for me. Like, truly, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that was that was like the internet mob thing happening. And I can only imagine what the fanatic players must have felt. Um, I I honestly. 
I don't think many Counter Strike players will ever be able to to put themselves in that position. I mean, I I what I've got was like you know it lasted four or ten minutes and then nobody gave a fuck about me anymore, which is great. I I like that part, but um, but there was something there that was like that was really short. I, I yeah, uh, I, that that must have been very difficult for them. A crazy thing about to think about that is what do you think would have happened if it had been either the other way around or if it had been a team like NIP or Virtus Pro that had done it? Oh, if it had been NIP, no one would have even cared. I, I mean, I, I can't obviously know that, but that is my feeling that that would it, it would have been different. Or and like, I, yeah, I think it was unfortunately the history of the team and the fact that the internet is a silly place that that made it happen. For sure. Well, uh, as, thank you for. Um... I was, that's really strange. I can't believe that people actually give you hate for that. I mean, you didn't actually have a part in it, so I understand why people would complain about the off boost. That was a great um, episode of uh, Greatest uh, Moments in CS History. That was, oh, that was really insane. But um, I think that was probably one of the cooler moments, and yet somehow it was also one of the more infamous moments. So, you know, it's really... I just can't believe people just say, like, you know, such mean stuff like that, but... And it is, like you said. <laughs> I mean, it, it it was obviously an emotional moment for a bunch of people, right? But it was, yeah. <laughs> it did get it did get out of control pretty quickly. It was a, I, I didn't mind the tournament overall, but like that one moment where I, where I checked my phone, that was definitely one of the ones where I was like, oh no. Mm, yeah. What made right. it crazy as well was that LDLC did a similar boost that everyone just kind of looked past because it wasn't as effective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's the other thing. I mean, I don't know. Like it was, maybe maybe it'll be one of those cases that we study uh, in ten years to to figure out how we should do esports legislation and you know like tournament rules and stuff like that. But it was certainly there were a lot of things. Like I mean, another thing is if it if it was directly illegal, then why didn't the admin stop the the, the match and say you know this this can't go on? You know, like there there are a lot of things that that were weird about the whole situation. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, uh, it's been a great podcast. Uh, thank you for Anders for coming on the podcast. You can obviously, if you, had, if you don't know who Anders is, I mean, that's pretty surprising, but you can see him as we'll be casting the rest of Star Ladder Series 5, Season 5. And you can also see his work on whether it's YouTube or Twitch channel. And of course, you can follow his Twitter. There's a lot of great things, even if there's some memes about the life, our life being a simulation, but that's the best part, right? Yeah, so, that means. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we have the truth teller himself then. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, this has been Jamaican with Mist, Mygans, and Anders on the Real Sports Gift Podcast. Bye.